Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Let's find 1 Corinthians chapter 3, please. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 10. And we want to talk about a sure foundation. A sure foundation. First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder... I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon, but let every man that every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your written word that unveils to us the living word, the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your spirit who will enlarge our capacity to receive revelation knowledge, wisdom, understanding, ability in all things that pertain to life and godliness. I thank you that as your word goes forth in demonstration of the spirit and of power, it will produce faith not in the wisdom of men, but in the wisdom and power of the living God and resurrected Christ. I thank you for it. We have receptive hearts, attentive ears, and open minds, and now we channel ourselves to receive from thy word in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul said, according to the grace that God gave him, he became a wise master builder. A wise master builder. And the wisdom he had enabled him to erect spiritual buildings. Spiritual buildings. Now, I don't know about you, but it's always good to have somebody who knows something about construction work when it comes to building yourself a building. I know we greatly appreciated all the help we got from the architect when we just decided to renovate this building right here. His help was greatly appreciated. And we thank God for the know-how and the knowledge that he had. Amen. Well, see, Paul said here that God made him or gave him the grace to be a wise master builder. A wise master builder. And the reason why he was a wise master builder was because, as any good architect knows... You always start with a good foundation, don't you? You start by laying a solid foundation on a solid rock, good ground. Well, that's what Paul endeavored to do. He started by laying a solid foundation, and in verse 11 he tells you exactly what that foundation was. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Remember he said, I don't want to know anything among you save Jesus Christ. And him crucified. And so everywhere he went, when he started the church, any church he started, read through the book of Acts, you find out everywhere he went, he start, you know, laying a foundation. And Jesus Christ was the rock upon which he laid that foundation. So, what we're going to endeavor to do is to be a wise master builder. 
We have many that have come into our congregation that are new in the faith. We have many that have come in in midstream, so to speak, that did not have an opportunity to lay a good foundation. And I believe that there are many that have been in the faith for quite a while that didn't understand the full depths of laying a solid foundation on a solid rock. And so what we're going to endeavor to do is to, is to begin. And I'm going to speak to you not as a collective body, but as an individual. See, sometimes there are messages that involve the entire body. In other words, this is for the whole body. And I'm talking about corporately, collectively. And, uh, of course, we take it to heart as an individual. But this particular message is for an individual. It will affect the collective body. But it's for your benefit as an individual so that you can lay a foundation, a solid foundation, a secure foundation in your own life, in your own individual life, so that you can become a strong house for the things of God. See, this is not only going to take a wise master builder, as Paul claimed to be a wise master builder, but it's also going to take a wise student or a wise disciple. Because you see, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, as a matter of fact, put your marker in this place right here and go to Luke's Gospel, chapter 6. You'll see Jesus said something concerning a wise man. See, someone has to know how to read these blueprints, follow the blueprints, so that once you lay that foundation, you can build a beautiful edifice. Something I like that's very important for us to understand, and that is the higher up you want to go when you're building a building, the deeper you're going to have to dig to lay that foundation. The higher the building, the deeper down you go. Well, the higher you want to get in the things of God, the higher up you want to get, you're going to have to dig deep. I heard one brother say one time, you know, the things of God are not deep. I don't know what Bible he was reading. I'm quoting Jesus right here in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 40, 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep. Deep. Did you ever read the parable of the sower in Mark 4 when Jesus said that there was some shallow ground? There wasn't much depth. Well, you see, that individual didn't dig deep and lay the foundation on a rock. Now, notice this. He built a house by how? Digging deep and laying the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house, and it could not. Everybody say, could not. Could not. Everybody say it again, could not. could not. Doesn't it say, could not shake it? Well, why couldn't it shake this individual's house? Because he dug deep, laid a foundation upon a rock. In other words, on solid ground. And in Matthew, when Matthew records the same thing Jesus spoke of in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, Matthew said he is a wise man. Well, Jesus, quoting Jesus, Jesus said this man is a wise man. So we see we've got a wise master builder who goes around laying a foundation. And we've got a wise man who's listening to what he's saying. See, the wise man will hear what Jesus is saying. The greatest teacher that ever walked upon the face of this earth is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. 
And I want you to know that the Apostle Paul did not preach the gospel of man. He preached the gospel that was given to him by divine revelation. Jesus gave him that divine revelation. Jesus appeared to this man, I mean, when he was on the road to Damascus. He was going about making havoc of the church. He was opposing Christianity. He was opposing everything Jesus Christ stood for. He was opposing the resurrection. He was opposing everything in connection with the gospel. But bless God, he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the way. See, he was on the way to put those in prison. But when he met the Lord Jesus Christ, he looked up and he, he was blinded by the light and fell down to the ground of the earth. And although he was blinded, he could still see. Bless God, his natural physical eye was blinded so his spiritual eye could be opened. Can you imagine that? Oh, wouldn't to God we could understand what that means. See, the natural eye was closed so the physical eye, or the, the spiritual eye could be opened and he could see Jesus. All that tradition blinded his eyes. All that religion blinded his eyes to the truth, to the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ. But when that was all taken away from him, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ and he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And Jesus told him what he had to do. And he said, I'll appear to you time and time again and I'll share with you some things that you need to know about what you have to do. And so the Lord Jesus himself appeared to the Apostle Paul in a space of 17 years and taught him the gospel. He taught him the gospel. And, and actually, in reality, the Apostle Paul had really the foundation. That's why he said, I've laid the foundation as a wise master builder. Because, you see, none of the other disciples of the apostles, they didn't know what happened. They didn't know what happened. They stood there and watched Jesus die and give up the ghost. They stood there and watched him take his body and put it into the grave. But they didn't know what happened. They didn't even know what the Scripture meant, that he shall rise again from the dead. They didn't know that. The Scripture says that. They didn't know what that meant. So they didn't really know. All they had was a sense, knowledge, view of the man from Galilee. They saw him die on that cross and their hopes were gone. They thought it was all over. They went back to fishing. But Jesus appeared to the apostle Paul as one born out of due time and he revealed to him all that took place from the moment he died on that cross until he was ascended on high and seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. He revealed all that to the Apostle Paul. And that is the gospel. And your average believer does not know what happened from the moment Jesus died on Calvary's cross and his spirit left that body. And what happened to his spirit? The three days and three nights he was in the heart of the earth. And they don't know what happened when he ascended up on high and entered into the holiest of all, the holies of holies, with his own blood, and sprinkled his blood upon the mercy seat, and cleansed all the heavenly utensils of worship, and ratified the new covenant with his own blood, satisfied the claims of justice, satisfied the supreme court of the universe, vindicated mankind of the high treason that Adam committed from the beginning, set him free, enabling God to give birth to his own new creation by the Holy Ghost and through the Word. They don't know all that, that took place. And then came back and appeared for 40 days, appeared unto his disciples, was seen of Cephas and of Paul and of, and, and of the many brethren and 500 at once and finally seen of Paul and then sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high forever until his enemies would be made his footstool beneath his feet. That is the last enemy being death. And it's a sad to say this, but that's true. They don't know what happened. I wish I had time to get into all that. I really do. It would take us quite a while, but I wish I really had time to get into all that. That's not my subject, but that's the foundation. See, Paul said, I've laid the foundation. That is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
resurrected from the dead and seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. And really, in reality, if you want to write these steps down, it'll help you. There are four phases to the Pauline revelation. There are four phases to the Pauline revelation. Number one, what Jesus did for you in his great substitutionary work on Calvary. What Jesus did for you. What did he do for me? Like I said, the average believer doesn't know. Well, he redeemed me. Yes, he redeemed you. But what did he do for you? Without just redeeming. He delivered you from the powers of darkness. He translated you into the kingdom of the Son of His love. He obtained an eternal redemption for you. He vindicated you from all sin, sickness, disease, died for your mental anguish. And it goes on and on. All that he did for you. See, he bore your sin so you need not bear it. The penalty of it. He bore your sickness so you need not bear it. He bore your mental anguish that you need not bear it. And it goes on and on. You need to find out what Jesus did for you. See, dig deep. Secondly, we need to know what God the Father does in us by His Spirit. See, what Jesus does in us, in the new birth, in the recreation of our human spirit. Every one of you out there that's born again, you have a recreated human spirit. The only way I could really emphasize this is by taking you all the way back to the beginning and uh, when Adam was created of God and God breathed into him the breath of life. He was a new, newly created being. And his spirit had the breath of life within it that came or emanated from the Spirit of God, from God Himself. It was the perfect type of human life in the Spirit. But you see, that man died in Christ. Because when he committed high treason, sold out to the devil, his spirit was severed or separated from God in his relationship. And consequently, spiritual death lodged itself into his spirit. He was estranged from God. And then, he needed to be redeemed. And when God redeemed him, this act of regeneration, what Jesus called it. He said, if you follow me in the regeneration, the regeneration is when God recreates. You see, he created Adam and gave him a spirit. That spirit died in sin. But in the new birth, he recreates, recreates. See, there's a creation and there's a recreation. He recreated our human spirits. But the average believer, they don't know what's in them. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus said, don't look here, don't look there for the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God is in you, in a recreated spirit. He made a deposit of his own life and nature in the spirit, in the human spirit, as he recreated it. We became a partaker of the divine nature of God. That means I have his love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness, and the gift of faith, and the Holy Ghost and power. Hallelujah. Where is it all at? Out there somewhere? No, it's in me. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Why? Because God's in you and he's greater than the devil. Amen? So you see what he did in us. What he did in us in the new birth or the recreation of our human spirits. We need to know that. Number three. What Jesus is doing for us now at the right hand of the Father. And it's sad to say, but it's true. There's a lot of believers that don't know what Jesus is doing for them right now. Well, what's he doing right now? Oh, I know. He's packed up himself a lunch. You know, make himself some popcorn. Sitting at the right hand of the Father, just, you know, watching the game. Down on the earth. The sons of light standing against the, sun, the, the devils, you know, the evil spirits. No, that's not what he's doing. No, that's not what he's doing. He's ever living. Glory to God to make intercession for you. He's ever living to speak to the Father for you. He's right there at the Father's right hand saying, You see my son, John, down there? 
I want you to know I died for him. And when he misses the mark, he says, I'm his advocate. Oh, I'm his advocate. I represent him. And I'll never cease to pray for him. He ever liveth to intercede for you and for me. He's ever living right there at the Father's right hand. I mean to tell you, there are a lot of people that interceded in the Bible. Moses even got God's attention. And he was a great intercessor. But there's never been an intercessor like the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And he's ever living to make intercession for you. And so when you miss it, or when there's a problem in your life, I want you to remember that Jesus is right there at the Father's right hand, whispering in the Father's ear, I love them, I died for them, I gave my life for them. They are more than conquerors. You've got to move on their behalf because you accepted my blood. Get on and do something about this situation. And the Father says, I'm going to do it just for you because you did die and shed your blood for them. And I'm going to go help them right now. Hallelujah. That's what's going on right now. Make you want to jump around this building right about three times, right? That's what's going on right now. See, I don't believe in religion, do you? Jesus was not religious. As a matter of fact, Jesus kind of got hard on the religious people of the day. I just read today the 23rd chapter of the book of Matthew. Every time I read it, I just say, oh, dear Lord. Oh, Father God. He said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He said, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, you serpents and generation of vipers. From an outward appearance, you seem to look good, but inwardly, you're ravening wolves. I mean to tell you, he said, you're like whited sepulchers. You appear good on the outside, but inside, you're like dead men's bones. That was a rebuke from the master himself. Now, I want you to know something. Jesus isn't talking like that about you. Aren't you glad? He's not up there saying to the Father... Father, a bunch of wolves down there. <laughs> He's not doing that. He's not saying, Father, they're vipers and serpents. He's not doing that. He's saying, Father, I shed my blood and they're cleansed. He's saying, Father, I'm here to represent them throughout eternity. And when the Father looks over and sees the piercings in His hands and in His side, He has no alternative but to say, I'm on my way. Help us on the way. I'm going to help. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you may obtain mercy and receive grace to help in your time of need. Amen. See, that's what's going on up there right now. And then fourthly and finally, what the Father is actually can do through you with the Word in your heart and on your lips. What God the Father can do through you, see, through you, with the word that's in our heart and in our lips. So he could do a mighty work through you. As a matter of fact, he said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, the same gospel. He said, in my name you shall cast out devils, take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you or harm you. Lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. All that he can do through you. He can win that loved one. He can heal that body. He can set the captives free. Loose and let him go. He told his disciples about Lazarus. That's what he can do through you. So these are four phases of the Pauline revelation that seemingly is just not preached. I don't know why. Seemingly is just not preached. Now some of these things that I'm mentioning to you, you need to check our, our, our library. And, and, and the reason why I'm saying this is because I can't give all this out in one, one message, one sermon. I mean, it takes me a while, you know. So you have to get some tapes and uh, listen to some of these things. The Pauline Revelation, new creation, what it means to be a new creation. These four phases, 
and uh, look over some of them and, and find out how you can lay a solid foundation in your own life. Well, here he said, He is like a man which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house, he could not shake the house. Why? Because it was founded upon a rock. But you see, he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently. And immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, there's no difference. The Word was preached to both of them. There's no difference with the Word. There's no difference with what was preached. The difference is with the individual. Some individuals don't like manual labor. Some individuals don't like to use a shovel or a spade. Actually, to be honest with you, I enjoyed it. When I was at school... You know, I was king of the rock pit. I went to school all day and worked all night, and I shoveled 20,000 pounds of rock every day and every night. That's what I was doing to get myself to school. Along with my wife, she was working right on to the ninth month of her pregnancy with BJ. And we was just working part-time, you know. But I enjoy doing that kind of work. Some people don't like to do that. Well, you've got to do that same kind of work in the spiritual realm if you're going to have success, if you're going to build yourself a strong house for the Lord. Well, I could spend some time on that, but I want to show you something else. Go back to that 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and uh, let's take a look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Paul was not only a wise master builder who knew the importance of laying a secure foundation upon a rock or on solid ground. He was also a wise farmer. A wise farmer. He was not only in the construction business, he was also in the farming business. He was a wise farmer. And in verse 6, it tells us that I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He not only knew the laws of construction, but he also knew the process of sowing and reaping in seed time and harvest. He knew how to plant the seed of God's Word in the heart or the ground of the individual. And when he walked away from somebody who maybe at first did not, you know, respond to the Word that was planted, he knew the seed was in the heart. See, words are seeds. They are containers of life or containers of death. And when you speak the word to somebody and they don't receive Christ as their Savior, that doesn't mean that all hope is lost or gone. He also knew the process, the watering process, which is the teaching process, but I want to use an, an, a, just a shade different meaning along with that. The watering process can be your tears. Did you know that? The watering process can be your tears. See, my word is as a seed, and you planted that seed into a dear loved one's heart, and as you gave that word to them, they didn't respond immediately. And so you stayed in intercessory prayer, and you kept praying, and maybe the spirit of travail moved upon you, and maybe you began to weep for that individual who's lost, and as the word that was planted you are holding back the forces of darkness and keeping the powers of Satan from stealing that word, taking that word. You let that seed remain inside that heart, knowing that that seed with watering of your tears, crying out to God, would eventually take root. 
See, so when you preach the word to somebody, don't think that it fell upon deaf ears. I don't believe that. When I tell somebody about Jesus, if they don't accept Christ right then, I don't walk away and say, well, they didn't do it. No, I say, bless God, the word was sown and the word shall not come back void, but it shall accomplish that which God pleases. It'll prosper in the thing whereto he sent it. And bless God, I believe God, my father, is watching over his word to perform it in that person's life. Amen. So you see, our attitude is very important. And really, it's, it's, it's important that we have a proper understanding of the kingdom of God and how it works through God's word system. But he was also aware of the fact that you had the plant, you had the water, but also it was up to God to give the increase. See, sometimes we want to give the increase, but God says, I'll give the increase. Something like the sunlight. See, the sunlight has its part to play. Well, let the rays of God's love keep on ministering to that individual as you spoke the word and you just stay in the background with tears. They may be tears of travail. They may be tears of joy. Because you know that the work is done and God the Father will bring forth the increase. You see that? Paul knew that. He understood that. And so he said, I planted. Paul is watered. He's a teacher. God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth, we're one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. I have to ask a question out this time. If, if Paul was such a wise planter, planting that seed properly, what kind of soil would he use to plant that seed in? Rich soil. I mean, a farmer just doesn't go find the worst soil that he has, does he? He prepares the soil. Sometimes he may, may have to pull some weeds out. Sometimes he may have to pull some stones out. Sometimes he may have to pull some rocks out, that sort of thing. But nonetheless, he does what he has to do to that soil or to that heart of that individual. And when he does that, he keeps on, you know, purifying, cultivating, developing that soil. So that the word can take root and produce a harvest or produce a crop. Well, in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 17, don't need to turn to it, but it says, be rooted and grounded in love is the perfect soil for God's greenhouse. Did you know that? Love is the perfect soil. Remember Paul said in the sower, I'm sorry, Jesus said in the parable of the sower, fourth chapter of Mark's gospel. He said, some received the seed in the shallow ground and it sprang forth immediately because they received it with joy. But after a time when persecution and affliction arose for the word's sake, immediately they were offended because they had no root in themselves. See, he's talking about a root system. He's talking about a foundation as being the most important parts of a plant or of a building. And... There's something I need to know, and I ask myself this question. What's the significance of Jesus and Paul here, really the Spirit of God, likening the believer unto a house or unto a plant, such as a tree? Many times we are called in the Bible as a tree of righteousness, right? Planted by the rivers of water. What's the significance of us understanding about the foundation of a house and the root system of a plant or of a tree. And what is the significance of us being called a tree or a building? 
Well, I'm glad you asked me that. Because I've been asking that question myself. I wanted to know. Well, you see, Jesus said that a man that dig deep, he builds a house, a spiritual house. A house is a place of refuge. It's a dwelling place. It's a place of protection. And he knew that while we were here upon this earth, we would need a place of refuge or a place of protection. See, he knew that. And so he said, in order to build your house, to be protected from the wiles of the devil, to be protected from the storms of life, to be protected from the flesh and the enemies, all the enemies that surround us, he says, in order to be protected, you need to build a spiritual house. How far are you in the construction of your spiritual house? How far are you in the construction of your spiritual edifice? Did you build or lay a solid foundation? And are you building a strong house whereby you can be protected spiritually? See, he knew we needed that. Well, if you want to build your house, you've got to dig deep and lay a foundation upon a rock. And then you've got to watch what kind of materials you use to build upon that foundation. With that note, just take a look at verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Did you know that you are facing fiery trials and temptations of life everywhere you go? Storms of life? If you build your, or lay your foundation upon a shaky foundation, uh, soil, such as sand, and then you use wood, hay, and stubble to build that house, when the fire comes, what's going to happen to that house? Wood, hay, and stubble is going to burn right on up, isn't it? How about the storms of life? Without a foundation, it's just going to fall right on down. But here he said you can also use gold, silver, and precious stones. Now, when you're talking about gold, silver, and precious stones... You're using the right kind of material to build upon your foundation so that your house can be a strong house and it can withstand the test of fire. Not only the fiery trials that come at us in this life, but Peter said that our faith is as precious gold, refined. The trial of our faith is much, of much more value than precious gold because it not only will withstand the test of fire in this life, but when you stand before the, the glory of God, the fire of God's glory, it will also withstand that fire when you are tried for the works in your life. Now, he's talking about the things that we do in this life are going to be judged as a fire. If we did those things for a wrong motive, that's wood, hay, and stubble. It'd be burned up. But also, as a plant, as a tree with a healthy root system... He's saying we can draw from the life of God and be nourished so we can have food storage, so we can have circulation, so we can have anchorage and support, so we can draw from the life of God water. See, that's how we draw. Let him out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We draw as a tree draws from that river of water. We draw from the life of God that way. And there's two things here. We need to develop a strong house 
so that the wiles of the devil cannot destroy, could not, will not destroy our lives. And we also need to develop a, a healthy root system to draw. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch. If any man abide in me and draws the love of the Father through me in his life, he shall bear much fruit. So you see, if you want to develop a strong house, you've got to lay a solid foundation upon a rock, a secure foundation. And if you want to develop a healthy root system, you've got to be rooted and grounded in the love of God, for God, for people, so that you can draw from His very life in your life. Now, I want you to notice that all these things we're talking about are beneath the earth. In other words, they're in the unseen realm. You can't see any of this. All you saw was that mother that just said, well, you know, I just went and laid my hands upon that person and they got healed in Jesus' name. Or they said, I asked the Father for $20 in Jesus' name and in Jesus' name it came, it was manifest. Or I laid my hand on my child and my child was instantaneously healed, thanks be unto God. Or I prayed this prayer of faith and that person got delivered. Or whatever you, you've, you've seen them do. All that is in the physical realm where you can see. But the things you did not see were the things that were done in that person's life in the spirit realm, in the unseen realm, or in the invisible realm, something that took place inside his heart. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, rich soil, see, rooted and grounded in love. Let the Word take root richly in your heart of love. And then, in its season, it shall bring forth fruit. See, it doesn't happen automatically. You don't start by putting the roof up. You start with the foundation. You don't start by bearing fruit. You plant the seed first. So you see, it's taken some men 40, 50 years to get to the place they're at in God right now. But yet we've got those that want to do the same things that they do, but yet they've not developed. They've not grown to that place. Something that the Spirit of God just rose up inside me is that you cannot, you cannot build your house on another man's foundation. You cannot draw your nourishment from another man's root system. Each individual must be rooted and grounded in love. Each individual must do his own digging. And here's something that I, that I have to say. I don't know what it's done to me, but it's not had, had a favorable effect in my own life. I see too many believers that don't have any interest at all in digging deep into God's Word. Well, now, you know, brother, you're a preacher. My brothers and my sisters, I was digging deep into God's Word before I ever knew I'd become a preacher. I was a mill crane operator, and I was in the Word six hours every day. I was probably in the Word more than more preachers were. I mean, I was just digging my nose into God's Word. I was on fire. I had my shovel out. I had my tools out. I was ready. I was rip-roaring, ready to go. I was digging in that Word. And I'll tell you what, I was seeing things happen in my life. Glory to God, because I was digging, 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 digging. I couldn't believe it when I started going to church. How many were not digging deep into God's Word? You start to give them the least bit of depth of God's Word, they think that, you know, you come from another planet. I couldn't believe it. Who's the wise man? He digs deep and lays his foundation upon a rock, his own. I can't build on somebody else's foundation. I can't draw from somebody else's root system. I've got to have my own. I thank God for the helps. I thank God for those that are out there in ministry, public ministry, to help me dig. But you see, I've just sat back and I've already recognized the fact right now, I can't help you do your digging. I can only be an assistance. I can stand in this office and, and fulfill what God has called me to do and give you some nuggets of truth so that you can, you know, build on those 
but I can't get your shovel out for you. I wish I could. You know why? Because your heart is in your own body. It's not in mine. Sometimes, I'll tell you what, I, I, sometimes I know what Paul meant sometimes when he said, I wish I could just be a curse from Christ for my brethren. I wish I could just take what I have and give it to them. Sometimes I wish I could just reach my hand in through my mouth and grab a hold of my spirit and just say, if it was this easy, Father, let's just, just hand it over to them just like that and just put it inside their spirit. But you see, I've got ingredients inside my spirit. You've got ingredients inside your spirit. Some have to be removed, some have to be put in. Just like any farmer, any gardener, you've got to take out the stones and the weeds and the you know, thorns and the thistles and get rid of them. You've got to put in some good ingredients inside that spirit or that ground so that it can produce fruit. You don't start by producing fruit. You start by cultivating the land. You don't start by putting on the chimney. You start by digging deep into the ground and laying a foundation. Do you see what I'm talking about? And that has to be done in each and every individual's life. And the only way to do that is by digging deep into the Word for yourself. Now, what I want you to do is to turn in First Peter to chapter 1, verse 23. And I want, I want to start by showing you that every individual that's here who's born again had the same start. The soil may be different, but yet you had the same start. It all started as a seed. 1 Peter chapter 1, it all started as a seed. Some of us have developed further because we're older in the Lord. Some of, up, some of us who should have developed further did not because of improper teaching. Many other reasons. Some just didn't dig deep into God's Word. Others are just born again and so consequently... Their spirits or the ground is, is fresh and it's ready to start the process. See, if you get the right information from the beginning, you start right, it's a lot easier to develop a human spirit. If a person doesn't and he gets a lot, of, a lot more of the wood, hay and stubble in there, gets a lot more of the wrong teaching inside that spirit, then the process becomes harder. Some have to deprogram and reprogram and deprogram and reprogram and deprogram and reprogram and that's harder. But those spirits who are sensitive, who are just born again, you're blessed to get under good teaching and start to listen to God's Word uncompromisingly spoken so that you can start to develop your spirit nature, your spirit man, and you can grow up quickly. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Now notice that when you were born again, you were born again through the incorruptible seed of God's Word. But in digging deep into God's Word to find out just what happens with that seed, it's important you realize what Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. Let's turn to that real quick. It all started as a seed inside you. It started as a seed inside me. See, what we do with that seed, if we water it, if we nurture it, if we do our part by digging deep into God's Word and providing the proper ingredients to go inside that heart, what we do with that seed that's inside our heart will determine how quick it grows to produce fruit. Now, notice here in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, that when that seed was, was planted or implanted into your heart, it was the smallest of all seeds. Look at chapter 4, verse 30. And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Remember Jesus said, when, you're, when you come to Him and you turn your life over to Him, the first thing to do is seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Well, 
seeking the kingdom of God, he says right here, whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth. But we have this deposit in earthen vessels. Deposit of what? God's word that gave birth to you is the incorruptible seed of the divine life of God. But when it's implanted into the heart of the believer, yeah, the whole Spirit's recreated, but your knowledge and understanding of the kingdom of God, that's the least. You just got saved. See, that's the least understanding you have. You don't know how that kingdom operates. When a child is born into this world as a baby, what knowledge does he or she have? None. Other than instinct that says, give me that bottle with a real loud cry. Right? But that's it. What are we saying? When this happens, you're born again. The seed of God's word gives birth to you. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. Here Jesus said that that kingdom that's inside you, it's like the grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown into the earth, which is your earthen vessel is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. See, there's still other things that you've been exposed to in your life. There are other fears and worries and anxieties and troubles and teachings and things that you've experienced in this life already before you came to Jesus. And you can't go by, just because now I'm born again, whatever knowledge I had of this Bible before has nothing to do with it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 tells us that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are spiritually discerned. He can't understand it. He can't know them because they are spiritually discerned. See, what your eyes cannot see... Matter of fact, let's go back there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And hold your place. Well, it's too late, but hold your place there in Mark 4. Look at verse 14, chapter 2, verse 14. But the natural man, which is what you were before you were born again, you were a natural man. No matter how much you knew about the Bible, has nothing to do with it. The natural man, when you were a natural man, when you were not born again, unregenerate, receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Just as a, as a newborn babe has got to be educated from the word go, from the beginning Saint, likewise, we as being born again to the family of God, the kingdom of God that is within us is the least of all the seeds that's planted into the, into the earth or into that earthen vessel. So consequently, you've got to start right from there, from the very beginning. To start to gain spiritual understanding of the kingdom of God. Not natural, but spiritual understanding. See? Then he said, and I'll just quote it to you if you don't have that back there. But he went on to say... That when it's sown into the, into the earth, it's less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. Although it was planted as the smallest seed in your life, once you begin to nurture it and cultivate and develop and grow up spiritually, it grows up to be the greatest, see, the greatest, most powerful, strong development in that vegetable kingdom. And what he's saying is, although it may start out small, when you grow and develop, it becomes the greatest thing in your life. And let's, let's show you in second, second Corinthians. Hold your place there in First Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 4. You're going to have to let your fingers do the walking because I, we're going to get a lot of Scripture. A lot of Scripture. 
See, I, some, I got a little bit carried away there for a while. I just like to just quote scriptures and, and I don't let everybody look at them. And I got rebuked for that. <laughs> Reproved for that. <laughs> Corrected for that. Let's look at these scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And look at verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure and the word treasure there. Treasure. It means deposit. We have this deposit of the kingdom of God in earthen vessels. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Well, what's he saying? Well, when God came and brought forth the light the glory of God, the light of the knowledge of the gospel, the glory of God, and put it inside you or deposited it inside your spirit. It may have been the smallest of all seeds in your life, but it was deposited into an earthen vessel, which we are, see the smallest into the earth, but it can be developed. I'm going to show you something here in 2 Timothy. Still hold your place in 1 Corinthians, but go to 2 Timothy also real quick. You can leave this go. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I want to show you that you are responsible... For using the proper material to build upon your foundation. You're an earthen vessel. You have a deposit. It's in the form of a seed. It's the kingdom of God. It's the life and nature of God. It's incorruptible. It must produce fruit. It has to because any seed that's incorruptible will produce fruit if the soil is right. If the soil... See... We go back to the soil. Jesus said it's not the seed. He said, but it's the soil. Some are stony, some shallow, some etc., etc. He said it's the soil. But the good soil will produce good fruit. 30, 60, 100 fold. It's an earthen vessel. The seed's implanted into it. But look at this scripture. Very important scripture. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. If you want to have a sure foundation in your life, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure or steady or immovable. Jesus said that that house could not be moved, be shaken. Well, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. Number one, the Lord knoweth them that are His. Number two, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Boy, does that blow some theories? Boy, does that blow uh, holes into a lot of these doctrines that says, live like you want to live, once saved, always saved? Yeah, live like the devil... And pretend to be a child of God. Everyone that names the name of Christ, if you want a sure foundation, you are commanded to depart from iniquity. That's what it says. I'm quoting the word. But then he said in verse 20, but in the great house, there are not only vessels of gold. See, it was deposited in the earthen vessels. And those earthen vessels can be vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth. And some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So in other words, if we will avoid strife, if we will avoid youthful lust, if we'll avoid iniquity, and if we'll begin to build upon that foundation, which is Christ being laid, you know, the foundation, and I'm going to get to the bottom of that thing, the, the rock upon which we lay our foundation in a minute. But if we'll depart from iniquity and use gold, silver, and precious stones as the building material in our life, which is walking in love. He said, then you'll have a sure foundation and you'll be a vessel of honor. Meat prepared for the master's use. If not, you'll be playing around with material that's going to burn up a fire. 
And that's why a lot of people cannot withstand the heat of the fire trials and temptations that come their way. It's because they never had the opportunity to develop a good, strong foundation. The storm of life hit them before they ever got their shovel out. See? So it's not automatic. Just because we're born again does not mean all our problems are over. It means God has a way. He has a system. And if we'll learn that way and flow with that system, then we can so develop a strong house in our own lives that God becomes our refuge, our dwelling place, and we're lost in Him. And when we're lost in Him, all the powers of the devil will not destroy our house. And He's devised a way whereby our root system can get hooked up with His. Glory to God. You see why you're supposed to walk in love? What happens to the plant when the sun comes out if there's no water or, or good root system? Shallow, it wilts, withers away. That's happened to a lot of believers. You hear teaching like this? They don't want to hear. See, the manifestation of God's Spirit right now is upon us in the form of teaching ministry. But some, they like to have their ears, you know, tickled. They've got to see, always see the power of God. Well, go back to that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to show you something about seeing. I have... I've seen the power of God. I've seen the glory of God standing off to my right, over there, just like that. actually saw the glory of the Lord. But I'll tell you something. I've had more supernatural manifestations of God's Spirit in my life through the Word without seeing a thing or hearing a thing with my natural eyes or ears. And I'm going to show you why right here in this Scripture. It'll bless your heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. But as it is written... I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart, the heart, the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. If I were to stop right there, I'd do us a great injustice. If I were to stop right there. And some preachers do that. They stop right there and say, see, you can't know the things of God. But, and that's the next word in verse 10, but, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now, hold on. I hath not seen, nor has the ear heard, and neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared. But the Spirit of God has revealed them. See, it's a revelation. It's not sightseeing. Jesus says, Would to God that your eyes and ears spiritually would be open so that you can see with your eyes and hear with your ears. Elijah said when he was surrounded by that Syrian army at Dothan, when his servant got upset because there was more seemingly that was on the adversary side that was going to kill their lives, destroy them, and Elijah just sat, Elijah just sat back and said, open up his eyes that he may see. What's he talking about? Open up his spiritual eyes that he may see. His eyes were open. He saw the enemy out there. But when God supernaturally opened up his spiritual eyes, bless God, he saw a host of angels round about them with chariots, flaming fire, and there was more that be with them than on the other adversary side. His eyes were open, you see, spiritually. It was a revelation to his spirit that he saw. He saw in the spirit realm. God has revealed what I'm sharing with you unto us by his spirit because all this takes place in the spirit realm. It takes place inside where you can't see my heart. You can't see my spirit. You can't see what's inside me. The seed was planted. It began to grow and develop. It's getting stronger and stronger and more powerful inside me. It's like that mustard you know, seed that's growing up and getting, developing and getting stronger and stronger, producing some fruit, producing more fruit, producing much fruit, 
until you get to a place, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that shall bear much fruit. See? That's happening inside. And then the results are forthcoming. You're like that tree planted by the rivers of water. You don't look down at the root system to get that apple, do you? But when you take the apple, you don't even think about what's under that root system, what's going on under the ground, do you? Well, it's the same way in our kingdom, kingdom of God. People see somebody get healed, they think all you got to do is just go get healed. You know, and sometimes they get miracles like that, but that's not, that's not the norm. That's not the norm. I want to say something to you right now. It's not boasting on me. It's not boasting on myself. I am boasting on God's holy word. I cannot emphasize this enough because there are too many that want it. They're sightseers, I call them. They've got to see everything with their eyes. Jesus said, blessed are those who don't have to see with their eyes but believe in their heart. To this day, and I'm not giving up and I'm not, I'm not turning my back. I've been born again for seven years. It'll be eight years in the fall. To this day, we have used God's word in our lives and have never once failed. Never once failed. Never once failed to be healed or to get my kids healed, my children healed. Every time we needed healing in our bodies, we got it divinely, supernaturally. We weren't looking for manifestations. We went right here to the Word. We went right to God's Word. Whenever we had a a financial need, we went, again, right to God's Word. And that need was met through God's Word. See, God doesn't want us just to to develop trust in another person's faith. That's building on another man's foundation. He wants us to develop our own faith in our own hearts so that we can trust in Him. For He is our provider. He is our source. And Paul was aware of that. He was aware of that. That's why in his efforts, he saw to it, he saw to it that, that he left people that he taught the understanding that they too can have a relationship with the Father whereby their needs can be met supernaturally. Let God reveal these things to our spirits because He searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. In verse 11 it says, For no man knoweth the things of a man, save for what, thing, for what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Well, we receive not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak not in words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But to see the natural man, he does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. He can't. He doesn't know them and understand them because they're spiritually discerned. Now, phase one. Phase one. And we're just going to treat this like a choo-choo train, you know. We're just going to keep on hooking up and taking off and hooking up and taking off. Phase one of your foundation or root system is in the unseen realm. It's in the invisible realm. Phase one of your development is not out here where it can be seen by men, but phase one is in the unseen realm, the spiritual realm, where the seed has been planted inside your heart. If there's no cultivation, if there's no development, if there's no growth inside the spirit, then the fruit that's going to be born on the outside is not going to be that much. If there isn't any development or growth, it's going to be very difficult to face the storms of life. And uh, something that really, once again, that I see that, that, that troubles me in spirit is that there are so many that they want to get it from somebody else or by somebody else's ministry or prayer, but they don't want to dig deep into God's Word for themselves. They quit. If they go to a meeting and don't get healed, they quit. God don't want me healed. God don't want me free. God don't want me delivered. I tell you what, I wouldn't give up my fight like that. I wouldn't give up my fight like that. Glory to God, I wouldn't give up like that. 
If you've missed the mark and you've committed sin more than once and it was the same sin, would you give up and say, well, it looks like I just got a sin? No. Bless God, you'd lay yourself a stronger foundation. You'd get back into the Word of God. You remind God. You say, Father God, you said you'd change me from glory into glory. I would stand this thing in my life. I come against it in Jesus' name. If i got to fast and pray, change me so this thing has no power over my life any longer. Glory to God. You show, you know, you mean business to the devil. And he's going to flee from you. He's going to run from you. Phase one is underneath the ground. Remember when, when the father sent uh, Samuel to anoint David king? And in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, when all the sons of Jesse came by one at a time, he went over to the first one. Whoa, there's a fine-looking guy. Look at him how big he is and strong and muscular. Handsome guy, intelligent guy. Surely God wants him to be the next king. The Lord said, nope, he's not the one. And this goes on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He goes, well, surely something's wrong here. I mean, all these boys of Jesse, I mean, they're just fine-looking boys, intelligent boys of great, you know, stature and strength, and they should be the king. And what's going on here? Jesse, you have any more children? Yeah, I got one more, but he's out there minding the flock. He's my youngest, smallest one of them all. Well, get him over here. I got to see him because I'm not leaving until I anoint someone king. And he came, just a little, you know, child, young boy. God saw him, saw his heart, saw right through that outward veil, saw inside his heart. See, God don't look on the outward appearance. He saw inside the heart of David and said to, he said to Samuel, he said, Samuel, you anoint him to be king. He says, I don't choose like man chooses. I don't look on the outward appearance like man looks. He says, I look at the heart and I see in his heart the ingredients I need for him to be the next king of Israel. And so you see, what is inside your heart is going to determine the place the Word holds in your life. It's going to determine how strong you are in the things of God. You've got to have a right heart attitude. You've got to have the right motivating factor or force inside your heart so the Word, you see, can have free course and liberty to take root and be strong and develop. If not, if the heart motivation is wrong, the plant's going to be weak. If the foundation is not strong, then the building is going to collapse. Well, all this work is underground. In phase one. Now, I, I want you to see this. In Hebrews eleven six, these are scriptures that I hold dear to my heart because these are the scriptures that got me grounded and founded in the Word. But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek who? That diligently seek rewards? That diligently seek healing? That diligently seek finances? He's a rewarder of, the, a rewarder of those that diligently seek who? Diligently seek him. Two very important things to know here. First of all, every individual is responsible to turn his life over to God. Turn your life over to Him and take no thought for your life. Remember Jesus said that in Matthew 6, take no thought for your life. Turn it over to Him. Give up your life for Him. Give up your earthly life, he said, 
and you'll gain the spiritual life. Give up your lower life and you'll gain the higher life. But number two, and this is so important, you need to write this down or note this. We need to maintain a right heart attitude concerning seeking Him. Seeking Him. Not the reward. And this is exactly now what God has told me to say to, to, to this as a body, to you as a body, and take it individually. Too many have been caught up in seeking results. You've been seeking help in this area. You've been seeking help in that area. You've been seeking this. You've been seeking for that. But you see, that's drawn your attention away from seeking Him. If you'll seek Him, He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. When my wife was healed... In order to have children, I was not seeking healing. I was not seeking healing for her body. I didn't even know whether God would do it. I was involved, intensely involved, in seeking Him, my Father. I was so on fire to seek Him. I was using all my efforts into seeking to know Him. I want to know you. I want to know you. I want to know you. And in the process of learning to know Him and His love for me, I saw there were benefits. Forget not all His benefits. Seek Him and forget not all His benefits. Seek Him and forget not all His benefits, who healeth all thy diseases after He forgives all iniquities. And when I found that out to be true, I said, Bless God, I'll just keep on seeking you and I won't forget your benefits. Some have forgot seeking Him and are seeking the benefits. And when you get caught up in seeking the benefits, you get yourself, you know, your, your sight, your vision is wrong. You're supposed to be seeking Him. How can I tell whether or not my heart motivation is right or wrong? I always say this. Check out yourself this way. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.